So we're talking about how to get a promotion. How do I get a promotion? Have you ever wanted that? But not only that, you know, just if you're a believer, you should also be looking at how can I do the best in everything that I do? No question. How can I be the best? And how can I bring honor and excellence to everything that I do? So we're not just talking about getting the promotion, but actually being who God's called us to be. That's exactly right. And so we had this question that I asked a while back, and I said, if there's two people at work, there's two people at a, at a job, and they both are looking to get promoted. One person is a believer, and one person's not a believer, right? Right. And the person who's not a believer actually has a little bit more skill than the unbeliever mm -hmm. who should get the promotion. Now, most Christians, especially if they know anything about the favor of God and the goodness of God, what I've found when I ask that question is most people will say the Christian should get the job. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Right. <laughs> that's not, actually not what the Bible teaches. And not even what I would do as the boss. Yes. <laughs> as yeah. a Christian. The, the boss should put. I'd still hire the sinner. Yeah, the boss should put the most skilled person in that job, no and question. the Bible agrees with that. Now, mm -hmm. here's what I want you to see, and I'm, I'm reminded of, and we can talk more about this, when David, when they were building the temple, and they were, they were calling, get these skilled guys in there, mm -hmm. right? And they were anointed to do it. They were, they were God's people, but they were anointed to do it. But let's go to this verse, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, and looking at verse 6 through uh, 12 or so, what you'll see is in this as you see a structure of God's ways you see a structure here of how does God get seed to the sower so it's talking about finances but this is actually something that you can utilize in many different areas and what I want to show you is the end result so verse 10 says now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So what that tells me is everybody that has righteousness, they don't all have the same harvest. Correct. It's going to be completely different. And so everybody that has the same the same righteousness might not have the same harvest. So now what we want to see is this. How do we increase the harvest of our righteousness? Mm -hmm. How we do that according to this passage is you sow into the kingdom of God and you sow based on what the Lord gives you, but He'll give you based on what's in your heart. Excellent. So God will give us a supernatural seed or a supernatural grace as we have purposed in our heart to give it to the Lord. But many times people are sitting there just, and all they're wanting is favor and mercy of God overflow me. They're sitting at home eating Cheetos on the couch believing that God's going to promote them. Very right? true. Very true. So now look at verse 8. Here's the purpose. Verse 8 defines a purpose of that grace, a purpose of those seeds. You can apply this not only financially, but you can apply it to anointing. I've applied these verses specifically to fasting, mm -hmm. uh, where I've said, Lord, I want to give you my eating. I want to give you my food. Right. I need supernatural strength and grace to fast, not just fast physically. I want to fast supernaturally. I want supernatural fasting ability. And he's given that. So look at verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Or in the King James it says, for every good work. Mm -hmm. All right. So the grace is there to do the work. Bottom line, 
the grace of God that He will give you when you purpose in your heart is there to do the work. But many people, they're sitting at home believing that the favor of God will just magically make this happen. It's like they won the lottery. They don't realize that the grace of God is to go to work. Now, go to work supernaturally and it'll be easy and light and without toil, but it is go to work. So in that question that we pose, what that person should do as a believer is say, I've got an advantage. Right. I have a father that will give me a supernatural skill that even that I can take. He'll provide for my schooling. He'll provide to teach me. He'll teach me more. I'll know more even than my instructors will. But I have an advantage. I have a supernatural grace. But I've got to draw on that grace and put it to work. Or else I'll be sitting there and the other person will constantly be promoted. And so you've seen this I know all throughout ministry and people that are you know they're believing and I've probably been this guy before too it's like sitting there waiting on something the Lord said get to work right well the other thing you have to remember too and and of course we never discussed any of this before the broadcast but yeah uh, one thing that I would um, have you look at and remember is not every Christian so when we talk about favor right right if we're talking about favor you don't talk about favor as though, like you talk about pregnancy. You know, it's like, you're either pregnant or you're not. Right. You're like, man, she's really pregnant. Well, she, what does that mean? You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. Right. It's not that way with favor. You're not either favored or you're not. There are levels of favor. Yeah. Some people are more favored than others. And you can actually grow in favor. Yes. Well, here's yeah. what people don't know. You can actually grow in favor because, and let me make this very clear, uh, people use this phrase and they say, well, favor, you know, grace, they'll use the word grace, which in the uh, Greek language, the word charis, as we talked about the other night, or charisma, yeah. uh, you know, they'll say grace is the unmerited favor of God. Right. The unmerited favor of God. Let's cut to the chase real quickly and say the only grace or favor that was ever unmerited from God was him sending Jesus. Yeah. After that moment, all other favor is merited. Yeah. All other favor. The reason I know that is because the scripture teaches that there are things you can do to provoke God's favor. Yeah. Right? Uh, the Bible teaches us, as we know, he resists the proud. Yes. And gives more grace or favor yeah. to the humble. There's Brother Mark Dunphy, love you yeah. too. Uh, he, he resists the proud. And gives more grace to the humble. Yeah. Let me show you another one real quick that people miss. And this is a very, very powerful thought. Um, the Bible says, and I'm going over to uh, Peter's writings. Notice um, in 2 Peter 1, 2, here's another area where we can see yeah. grace is merited. It says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Yeah. So it can be multiplied in your life. How? Through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. So actually having the word of God in you and acting by the word right. will increase your favor. Yeah. That's what Peter's teaching there. Grace and peace be multiplied through your knowledge of God. Yeah. The only knowledge of God you can get is from the word. Yeah. Think about that for a minute. You can't get independent knowledge of God. There's no such thing. You can't get knowledge of God that's not in the written word. There is no such thing. 
Even the Bible says that all of creation, you can look at it, but it's not enough knowledge for anything to happen. It's only enough knowledge to condemn you for your sins. Yeah. That's what the Bible teaches. To open up our eyes. Right. There's yeah. no way to deny that there's a God because creation shows us there's a God. But we already know from Scripture, Paul taught, it's not enough knowledge for anything to take place other than your condemnation. Yeah. That's it. Anything that can be known about God. Now, Paul was making the point that shows you there is a God. Yeah. But it doesn't show anything about him. Yeah. The only thing that can teach us about God is the written word. That's why he said, grace and peace be multiplied to you through your knowledge of God. Yeah. That comes out of the word. And of our Lord Jesus Christ comes out of the word. And so, two areas right there we just covered. Humility, meekness, which causes grace to abound in yeah. you. And your knowledge of the word, yeah. which causes, well, do you believe that there are some Christians who have more knowledge of the word than others? Absolutely. Yeah. Are there some Christians more humble than others? Absolutely. Which means their favor level is going to be different yeah. than somebody else's. And so just because you're a Christian does not mean you're operating in the favor of God. Yeah. You, it doesn't, it, you're not. So you can work towards establishing or provoking more yeah. favor. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah, me too. So with that knowledge in mind, let's go back to the analogy of people at work. There might be a Christian working there who's not actually operating in the favor of God. Right. They're a Christian. But let's say, for example, okay, let's use the pride aspect. You come in, you're arrogant. You're an arrogant worker in your job. <laughs> now you're serving Jesus but you're displeasing God through your arrogance. Yeah. So you're displeasing God through your arrogance, through your short-temperedness, whatever yeah. it might be. You're just yeah. a jerk in the workplace. Yeah. Well, you ain't getting promoted. Yeah. In fact, they hope you leave the job. They're yeah. hoping you quit. If not, and if you treat your boss that way and your coworkers, you may end up getting fired. Yeah. You say, well, and you know, here's what I see from Christians. Yeah. Well, they fired me because I'm a Christian. No. They don't like the fact that I'm a Christian. <laughs> no. No. Because <laughs> you're a jerk. <laughs> and, and that's what happens. Yeah. And so, to me, uh, to answer your question, as an employer, as somebody that's... Now, now remember this. I'm a Christian employer. Yeah. I, I run a ministry. So, one of the things that I've got to keep in my mind is, I'm also a steward of God's finances. Yes. So, here's the thing. Would I hire a Christian business to do something for me that's actually going to do a, a far less excellent job. Right. They just want to be hired because they're Christians. Yeah. Uh, Jehovah Jireh landscaping, whatever it might be. Or do I hire a sinner who does an excellent job? He said, you know what? I'm going to charge you less, but I'm going to work hard for you. I'm going to make sure yeah. this is excellent. Well, I'm going to be a better steward of God's finances. Yeah. Hire the sinner who will do a better job for less money. Yeah. Than to some, some guy that's lazy that just wants to be hired because I'm a Christian and he's a Christian. If yeah. you don't think that happens, it happens. Yeah, that's It right. happens. And I'm actually dishonoring God. And then God. they get mad because you didn't use them, not realizing it's their own work ethic. Exactly yeah. right. And I'm actually dishonoring God yeah. because I'm wasting his money yeah. just so that what? I can have somebody who calls himself a Christian that's not diligent get the job, get the yeah. business? No. That doesn't line up with scriptural principle. No. And we covered this in the broadcast earlier, but the Bible says it's the diligent that'll be made fat. Yeah. The diligent soul is made fat. So I'm yeah. not hiring people that aren't diligent. Yeah. I refuse to. Yeah, I will agreed. never put somebody on my payroll that's lazy. Yeah. Or not a self-motivator. Yeah. Never. Never. 
Well, I'm, we're looking for that spirit-filled person, sure. But if that spirit-filled person is not carrying the skill, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we we recently did a study on um, you know wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And the Bible says, you know, wisdom is the principal thing, and all you're getting, get wisdom, get understanding, and the knowledge is talking about the knowledge of God. And then you'll in Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. It'll build your house, it'll establish it, and it'll fill it with all precious and pleasant riches. But here's one of the things. That wisdom is based off a skill. It's a a schooled thing. It's a skilled thing. It's a taught thing. So if I have a bunch of people that never spend any time to learn anything, then I can't utilize you. Wisdom for me is to employ people with wisdom. So I would be being disobedient to the word. And uh, you're talking about the unmerited favor. You know, if it was just unmerited favor beyond the cross, basically, what Jesus did was he opened up a grace and a greater grace that we could have based off of how we purpose our heart to use what he's opened the door to. If it was unmerited, we wouldn't have a different harvest. It'd all be the same harvest. It'd all be overflowing in the For sure. It would be just the equal distribution of kingdom wealth. Yeah, and that's not God's, God is not a Matthew 25 proves that's not true, the parable of the talents. Yes. Proves it's not true. Yeah, the rewards in heaven, all of that stuff. God, God is not socialist. Right. He he doesn't see it that way. Right. And, uh, so, and the other thing that people need to realize, especially American Christians, Western Christians, the kingdom of God's not a democracy. Yeah. It's not only not socialist or communist. It's not a democracy. Yes, that's and it's right. It's not a republic either. Yeah. It's a theocracy. Yeah. It's more akin to a monarchy than anything else. I don't get a vote. No. Yeah, I don't get to vote and see. We don't negotiate God's word. No. You can't. No. I know. There, well, and so, for example, we just, you're sitting in the new studio, and we've got some new equipment. We've got so much equipment, like, we've kind of, technology has blown past what we can do with all of it now. So, what's happening in the free time is this whole media team that's behind the cameras and everything, Man, they're studying. They've been staying up late at night. They're studying. What can this piece of equipment do? What mm-hmm. What is this? What do I need? They're surrounding. They're surrounding. Uh, I'm surrounding myself, and they're surrounding themselves with people with wisdom, with skill, with knowledge of how to do and how to utilize what we have. We need that. We've got to take it to another level. That's we, right. We can't. And see if I. And if you don't take it to another level. Yes. God is extremely displeased. Yes, yes. It's actually sinful. Yes. In my opinion. Mine wa- too. Now I watch agree. this now. It's sinful for God to have given you resources and given you talent, ability, and anointing, and you to not produce with what yes. He's given you. Yeah. Matthew 25 makes that clear. He says to the servant who had a talent that yeah. buried it in the ground, listen to the wording yes, now from the exactly. Holy Ghost. You wicked. wicked. And lazy servant. Yeah. He didn't just say lazy. And yeah. notice what happened to the servant. Not only did he have his talent stripped from him, he was thrown into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You wicked and lazy servant. Yeah. We think that we can just do whatever we want. We can't. We are slaves yeah. of Christ, the Bible says. I'm a slave of Christ. I don't choose what I get to do. He chooses. That's right. And then I do it. And, that's, and that's, that's a mindset the Western world has an issue with. They don't understand that we think, well, we can just do whatever we want. We're under grace. No, 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 no. That's no. Right. We are members of a monarchy. We have a Lord. Yes. That's why it would do people well to study medieval times and actually to study what a, what a monarchy is like and what it's, it means to be um, 
uh, a subject under a Lord's kingdom. You don't get to choose what That's you right. did. You know, and back then, sometimes it was like extremely horrible because men are corrupt. Yeah. You know, like prima nocta, that was like a horrible thing. Yeah. But you didn't get to vote that I'm not going to give my wife up to the king on the first night or the Lord on the first night. Yeah. That you was just, like the law and you could be. You just did it. You did it because yeah. you were a subject in the kingdom. Thank God we serve a loving heavenly father who is, uh, has our best interest at heart. And by the way, we don't have a choice whether or not to obey his word or to obey our his commands to our lives. We do it because we're subject to a Lord. Yeah. That's something that we don't get in this nation. You know, because of democracy and the republic, we don't understand it. But you are subject to a Lord. A Lord. I, I've always said this to people. A Savior requires thanks. A yeah. Lord requires obedience. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a big difference between making him your savior and making him your Lord. Yeah. A savior requires thanks. That's good. A Lord requires obedience. Put that in the comments. And, and yeah. I use this analogy. If you fell off of a riverbank into a rushing river and you were going to die from the whitewater rapids yeah. and I ripped a branch off a tree and held it out to you and pulled you up onto the shore, I just saved your life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you'd say thank you. Sure. But just because I saved your life doesn't mean you have to obey me for the rest of right, your life. Right, Because I'm your Savior, but I'm not your Lord. Right. But Jesus is not just our Savior. He's yeah. our Lord, which means we obey him when he gives us commands. Well, and even salvation in, in Romans 10, mm -hmm. we don't confess him there as Savior. He makes a distinct difference mm -hmm. that we confess him as Lord. That's right. As the one that we will be obedient to. And that's to. how you know it's true because the Bible says yeah. no man can say Jesus is Lord yeah. unless he's speaking by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that's why the Bible says, and that's why it goes to the other end of the spectrum and says, uh, the only, you can't call Jesus accursed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so there is, there truly is a faith element to that. You, you're That's not right. going to call Jesus Lord yeah. unless you're speaking by the Holy Ghost. Yeah. That's it. And so it is a Holy Ghost grace and, and, and mercy thing to be able to yeah. step up and say, he's my Lord. Yeah. And when you have that understanding, it means you'll obey him, obey his word. Yeah. And then look at this. And I'll throw it to you. Colossians 3, I bring this up to every uh, person that's working. It's like, you know, well, you know, I just don't like my boss. I don't like my job. I'm working with a bunch of heathens or whatever that may be. You're not truly working for a heathen. You're not working for a sinner. If you're a Christian, you are working for Jesus. Amen. And people need to hear this. Yeah, 3.23. Yeah, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, yeah. work heartily. As for the Lord, yeah. and not for men, yeah. knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. You see that? So anything, that's, that's Colossians 3, 23 and 24, that you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. not a man. If I'm a Christian and I get a job... As I work, the reason I strive for excellence in every area on my job is because I'm not serving that man or that corporation. That's right. I'm That's serving right. Jesus. Yeah. And that, that in itself will be a uh, testimony unto me and my righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a testimony. You know what? He does the best work. You know what's sad? We shouldn't have waitresses and waiters saying, man, we don't want the Sunday afternoon shift because Christians oh, tip the worst. That great. That me. is a testimony yeah. against our yeah. Lord. Yeah. 
And I hate that. Yeah. And the same with our work. You know, Christians are the worst workers. They yeah. show up late. Or they don't work hard. What? Horrible. I had a, a relative one time that worked in there, and they literally said the people that the waiters hate to see the most is anybody who says their prayer over, over their food. Mm-hmm. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. He said, nope, no, that's exactly. They hate it more than anything. And so today, knowing that, I will specifically pray over my food. I know they're already looking bad. Generally, if, if they see that, unless they know who we are. I mean, now they know. I mean, they welcome us in town because they know who we are. But um, if they see that, a lot of times they'll treat us worse. And I'll just be loving the whole time. But then when it comes to the tip time, I, I want them to be surprised. Oh, I don't yeah, want, sure. I, so it's like I'm setting you up. You're, it's kind of like under-promising and over-delivering. You're going to be blessed here yeah. at the end. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, my gosh, you didn't have to do that. You right. know, I'm like, no, it's, it's good. And Absolutely. I know they saw us you know, pray, and it's a testimony in reverse of how they You know what? Seen. Sometimes uh, I've done this before. There's, there's sometimes where I have uh, given them their tip at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'll be like, you know what? I know you're going to do a great job for us, and we just wanted to be a blessing to you. We, there's been times we, that uh, I remember one time my wife felt led by the Holy Ghost that there was, um, oh, oh, we, were, we were at this restaurant in Alabama, and this uh, huge table, like 12 people, and they were yeah. getting everything, drinks, and they got, you know, whatever. Yeah. They were just racking up the tab. And uh, when it came time, we saw our same waitress working that table. They were getting ready to leave when we sat down. And then I saw her open the thing and look at the thing, and it just kind of was crestfallen. And uh, Carolyn knew. She saw it. And she yeah. knew, like, they didn't even tip her, probably. And uh, so she, she's nosy. So she called her over. <laughs> she said, I just want to know. She's like, you know what I'm telling you? She said, did, did they tip you? And she said, no, but it's, it's okay. She said, no, it's not okay. We want you to know, we want you to tell us what their yeah. bill was. Yeah. We're tipping you for their table and our table. Yeah. And you talk about that. You talk about opening somebody up to the ministry. Yeah. They're like, so what do you guys do? Oh, you're a minister. What's yeah. your website? Well, what, what do you have books? Do you have table? you have a thing online? You talk about opening somebody up. Yeah. The love of God opens That's people right. up. That's right. And, uh, you know, practical love of God opens yeah. people up. One of the dumbest things that could have ever been produced by a printer and a graphic designer oh, no. is the $100 bill track. Uh, yeah. That is the most egregious slap in the face to Christianity that could have ever been created. Uh, and it's this, it looks like, if you haven't seen it, it looks like a, a quartered up folder, folded $100 bill. And then when you go to open it, it's actually a track telling you about Jesus. And people have left that at restaurants. I know. I've watched them do it and seen it, and I've pulled them off the table, oh, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I ever see somebody lay them down, I'm not even kidding you. I'm going to slap their face. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assault them physically. I'm not kidding. I'm just saying it now so that it's on record for Don't any law it. enforcement that wants to watch this back. On his this Facebook, he did pre, have a thing where he said, he said that he would slap their face. This is a record of my future assault to anybody that takes the Lord Jesus and drags his name through the mud by leaving a stupid $100 bill track. The first time I ever saw those, I, I literally wanted to cuss. I was it's like, stupid. you got to be kidding me. Like, if, if you don't Look, have Johnny an actual... Johnny said, I've received that. Oh. That's sad. If, if you didn't actually fill that thing with a real $100 exactly. bill, then... That's what you should do. If you yeah. want to give it... Yeah, if, you better fill it with a real one. You better believe yeah. it. Or more. That's so, right. Yeah. Well, one of the things, you know, you just said it, you said it earlier, do everything you do as unto the Lord. You work heartily, work, that key word work. Right. Right. Think about in Ephesians 4 where the setup of the church is. It says, it says, 
train the members of the body to do the work of ministry, right? Mm-hmm. It's do the work. What did, what did uh, Bishop Boyadepo say to you when he get laid to hands? Work. Get to work. Yep. You know, there's a work to be done. And I, I want you to see, go ahead. My father used to say, and I was growing up, he still says it. If he, He'd say, uh, look, ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. <laughs> That's how you spell it. Yeah. It's work. Yeah. You got to do the work of the ministry. Why do you think, and if the level or the quality of your work didn't matter, yeah. then why would Paul, instruct by the Holy Spirit, Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a worker that does yes. not need to be ashamed? Yeah. Do the work of So that means that there's yeah. work you can do that you should be ashamed of that level of work. Yeah. That's what Paul was that's, saying. That's a great point. A worker that yeah. does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word yeah. of truth. So there are some workers that should be ashamed of themselves. Agreed. The level of your yeah. work is shameful. But we're called to do work that we don't have to be ashamed of. Yeah. Work that's excellent. Yeah. Work that Christ would be proud of. Yeah. Amen. Well, and with that in mind, going into Titus chapter 2, because we're talking about work and we're talking about grace. And where yeah. is that in the Bible? I haven't gotten that far in the Bible yet. Yeah, it's, Titus? Yeah. It's all the T books are together. Okay. I'll yeah, put that so. together. <laughs> there it is. Got it. Did it help? Yes, it did. All right, good. Titus 2? Yeah, Titus 2, and looking at verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, and grace instructing us to deny deny ungodliness and worldly desires and live sensibly and righteously and godly in the present age. So in other words, this grace that we see in 2 Corinthians to do the work But this grace here says that our job is to deny ungodliness. Well, let's look at the the inverse of that. Not just ungodliness would be a laziness, a wicked, lazy Mm -hmm. servant, but godliness would be doing the work on a godly level. So in other words, we should be utilizing grace to look like God, not look you know, anti-God, anti-Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So not only should we be operating, a lot of times people are using grace so that they can look like the world. Right. We should be using grace to look like God, like God. to function like Him. Mm-hmm. For me personally, you know, as I minister, I'm believing that the grace of God will show up and be active in my life right. so that the supernatural will happen. Mm-hmm. So that people will be miraculously healed on the spot. You know, that uh, debt will be supernaturally erased. People will be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. But I want to make sure that I get the fullness out of this grace. Mm-hmm. That if it grace is designed for me to do the work, then I should do work like God does work. That's right. And so the way that Jesus did work, who was he was working every day in ministry. He was giving himself to the people. He was spending time in fellowship with the Father. But he wasn't lazy. It wasn't like he was sitting in Nazareth waiting for everybody to come to him. He went out and did the work. That's it. And, and if we're going to utilize grace in that way, we must utilize the grace of God to do what it was designed to do. And that what it was designed to do was do the work. In other words, you'll have a supernatural power to do a physical work that makes other men tired. You will have a strength. You'll have a wisdom supernaturally that other, man, other men can't have. But you've got to see that this is available and by faith draw on that grace through what you said earlier. Humility ups our grace. Knowledge of God ups our grace. 
uh, purposing in our heart to do the work, to do the skill, to study, to show ourselves proof. When we purpose in our heart to sow ourselves into work, that grace will come. And when grace rises, now the harvest will rise. So it's not a grace just for us to sit still. It's a grace for us to get to work on a supernatural level. Come on. That's yeah. good. Well, look at Philemon. Same, yeah. same, you know, Paul's writing again. He wrote to Titus. He writes to Philemon. What was that one? It's right after Titus. Right after Titus. Okay. And um, so if you just turn the page, you'll see it there. And then oh, it's right before he short one. Short one, yep. <laughs> and notice this, because here's a question we're going to ask ourselves. Other than depending on the favor of God, how else can you increase yourself to get promotion? Other than yeah. relying on the favor of God, how else... Can you improve yourself yeah. uh, to receive promotion? And one of those ways is by what the Bible calls instruction and in righteousness. Or what the world would call a mentor, what the body of Christ would call a spiritual father or whatever you might have, a leader yeah. over you that's been there, done that, has the wisdom, and you've got to be, again, here we come back to the humility, humble enough yeah. to receive their instructions. And say, you know what? They want the best for me. They have an understanding of, you know, whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to receive their instructions. And that's what Paul did for Onesimus. Yeah. He writes yeah. to Philemon, who in the past, Onesimus was actually a problem for Philemon. And maybe had even taken things from him or been. But yeah. what ends up happening is, is that Onesimus comes and Paul takes him in. While he was in prison, Paul takes Onesimus in and becomes a spiritual father to him. Yeah. And the Bible says in Philemon, um, verse 10, listen to this. It says, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Look at verse 11. This is so powerful. Formerly, he was useless to you, <laughs> but good. now he is indeed useful to you and to me. So I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Impartation takes you from useless to useful. Yeah. Amen. And if you'll have people that'll speak into your life and you're humble enough to receive it, God doesn't want you to learn by destruction, but by instruction. 